Scripture reading is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, followed by James chapter 4. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. What causes quarrel and what causes fight among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you did not do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that, your, that scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to your word with reverence and with open hearts and open ears. Lord, teach us your word so that we may become more like your Son, Jesus Christ, and that the world would know of the great love you have poured out upon us, and in doing so, that the world may be attracted to the gospel and desire to follow you as well. Be with me as I present your word. Be with me as I present it with conviction and truth. I need your spirit to do so. And be with the people, your people, and let them to receive this truth and forever change them. Lord, we look to you. It is the power of your word that changes us to be more holy. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to the final and last commandment. It is the 10th commandment, and it is a commandment not to covet your neighbor's goods. Now, just because it's the last commandment doesn't mean it's the least important. Um, it's very important, and rather, this commandment is actually a good summary of the nine commandments that came before it. You see, all the other commandments that came before it were certain acts, and you may get away with upholding the nine commandments. But the tenth one ensures that you could never fully satisfy the Ten Commandments, because the tenth commandment has to do with the heart, has to do with your motives, has to do with your thoughts. We see this in the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, when he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, follow the commandments. 
And the young rich ruler says, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? So here is this young rich ruler believing that he has fulfilled the whole Ten Commandments. And here's what Jesus said to him. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. In so many words, Jesus is talking about the Tenth Commandment. Do this and follow me and you will be perfect. And what does the young rich ruler do? When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had many great possessions. And when Jesus taught all these things, he turned to the disciples. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? It is this Tenth Commandment which really gets to the heart of the Ten Commandments. Where is your allegiance? Where is your heart? The Tenth Commandment is probably the easiest one to break. Because it is the one that, that evaluates our hearts and where we stand before God. And so today's sermon, it's really about where are we with the Ten Commandments. And my best guess is that we've all broken it in one way or the other. And the hope is that we will see Jesus for who he truly is and how he has restored us to truly follow the Tenth Commandment. That is my hope. So first, I want to talk about how coveting leads to chaos in a community. First, I want to define what is the definition of coveting. Coveting, simply put in the Tenth Commandment, is the desiring of material things that are forbidden to you. It is not simply materialism. It is not simply desiring things. It is desiring things that are forbidden to you. Here are some examples and here are some distinctions. You can say, I want a spouse. That's a good thing to want. When do you break the Tenth Commandment? When you say, I want your spouse. See, it's a slight difference, but I think it's an important one. There's other people who say, I want a management position. That's a good thing to want. It's a little bit different when you begin to say, but I want your management position. More subtly, we have these things or these feelings. I want my children to behave. That's a good thing. But when do you fall into the wrong category? When you say, I want my children to be like those children, you begin to covet. I want my spouse to be like that spouse. We break the 10th commandment. And this helps us get at what is at stake at the 10th commandment. It is not simply having bad desires. Most people treat the 10th commandment like the Buddhist commandments. Rid yourself of all things. Don't be materialistic. Then you will be okay. But that is not the goal of the 10th commandment. The goal of the 10th commandment is, is simply this, that you would be so content that you would be able to love your neighbor. 
that if your neighbor is suffering, you would be able to give all your possessions to that neighbor so that they would thrive. The Tenth Commandment is all about loving the other. It is not simply about you ridding yourself of materialistic wants. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says this, The Tenth Commandment requires full contentment with our own condition, with a right and charitable frame of spirit toward our neighbor and all that is his. So it's not that you're simply content with your own status. It's that when someone else gets a windfall or someone else receives great things, you are able to rejoice with them. Praise God that you got that promotion. Praise God that you won a million dollars. Praise God that you are marrying this person. You are able to be content with your life. Therefore, share your abundance with others. What's at stake here is the unity of the body. That's what's really at stake. God wants his people to be so united that if there is any pain or hurt, that the body would be able to supply the resources and the emotions to help the aching part of the body. Yet if you take your neighbor's wife, if you take your neighbor's donkey slave, you cripple one part of the body. You hurt the body for your own benefit. You see, in the Old Covenant, your neighbor was the fellow Israelite, not everybody. In this 10th commandment, God is saying to the Israelite, do not covet your neighbor's possessions. God has given them those possessions, and it is to the benefit of Israel that they have those possessions. Do not hurt one another. That is the real goal of the 10th commandment. But we see that any time this 10th commandment is broken, the society falls into chaos. First, we see it in the sin of Achan. Joshua chapter 7, verse 21, we know the story of Achan. If you're with us, as uh, they were going and through the conquest of the lands, Achan takes some things in which the Lord forbid it, for, forbid from them taking them. And this is what Achan says. He says, When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And we see that the whole army perished because of this one sin. And we saw that the family of Achan perished because of his covetous heart. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 8, Israelite no longer desiring God. They don't want God to be their king. This is what they said in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 18 and 19. He says, But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, No, there shall be a king over us that we may be like all the other nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. That is the beginning of the end for Israel. They reject God as king. They want to be like the other nations. They want to have those type of kings. And we see then another covetous heart in David and Bathsheba. David goes on to covet the wife of Uriah. 
And he covets her so much that he sleeps with her. And then when he understands the sin of his conse- the, the consequence of his action, he then goes and kills Uriah. And who is Uriah? Not just any soldier, but one of his closest men. Disruption is everywhere as the heart begins to covet things that are forbidden to us. And that brings us to James, chapter 4, verse 1. Here James sees it clearly. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. This is what is going on, and this is what is at stake in the Tenth Commandment. It is the unity of the body. It is being able to love your neighbor. And so we need to ask ourselves, are we following the Ten Commandments? That's what we should have been doing at every commandment. Are we doing these things? And so the first question you do have to ask yourself is, are you content? Are you content with where you are? And here's another question. How do you know that you're content? Is it a feeling? Is it something that someone says we're content? How do we know that we are content? Well, James begins to show us, verses 2 and 3. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own pleasures. James says, what do you pray for? What have you been asking for in your prayer life? Are your, is your prayer life mainly centered around your own wants and desires? Now, the temptation will be for many of us to say, oh, I don't want to pray like that. So I'm going to go home and pray the good prayers and pray for other people. I don't advise that we should do that. I think you should pray all your wants to God so that God knows. God can handle all your prayer requests. And he may answer some of them. The real question is, can you handle your true prayer requests. The scariest thing is to be honest with ourselves. God will not be afraid by any prayer request you have. If your desire is to be a millionaire, bring it to God. He probably will not answer it. But the important question is, why do you want to be a millionaire? Where does that desire come from? What is in your heart? What is your central belief that you believe that a million dollars will bring? What is it? And that is where we need to start. Now, some of you may be sitting there and saying, I am content. I don't pray for a million dollars. I am actually happy with where I'm at. So that's what I thought, too. But the Bible does give us an objective measurement of where the Christian should be content. And it was very, very disturbing. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, 
With these, we will be content. Christian, if you have food and clothing, you should be content. Are you asking for more than this? I can definitively say yes myself. I am asking for much more than just food and clothing. I was shocked. Housing is not even on there. You could be homeless and you have no reason to complain. If you have Jesus, you should be content. And I struggled with this during the week. Do you really mean just food and clothing, God? But then you think about the Apostle Paul. You think about Jesus. Yes, they really mean it. Jesus was never a homeowner. Neither was Paul. They were content and they had great joy in the Lord. So if you're like me, I am nowhere near that. If you take away my housing, I will be very discontent. Very discontent. I will probably be furious, to be honest. If I only had food and clothing, I would be angry at the Lord. I would be angry at many people for the situation I'm in. For those of you who think like me, James has a name for us. What does he call us in these verses? Adulterers. Brothers and sisters, if you are not simply satisfied with food and clothing, we are all adulterers. What's the connection between wanting more than just food and clothing to becoming an adulterer? James says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Meaning this, it is because we are depending on the world to find our satisfaction that we have put our trust in God, in the world, and not in God. We have put our trust and our happiness in the material things of the world, and that is a dangerous place to be. But is that a legit connection? And I think it is. If we go and see the first case study of when the Tenth Commandment is broken, we will see the true heinous crime of the Tenth Commandment. The first time we see someone breaking the Tenth Commandment, oddly enough, is Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve. God had given them all their whole garden and all the trees in the field. They didn't even have clothing. And God had told them, be happy. You can have all the fruits in the garden. You can have everything you want. You have all the animals. You have a purpose in life. You have all these things. Just don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That is the only condition. But every single thing you can have, the, world, the Lord has given it to you all. Yet why do they eat from that tree? Is it because it had the best fruits? Is it because it was the only organic fruit? 
So people always miss why they ate from that tree. What was the temptation that lured them into that tree? It was the devil saying, you will be God. If you eat from this tree, you will be God. And that made me realize, what is money? Why do we want money all the time? Because it's control. I will never have to be hungry if I have money. I will never have to worry about heat, my body temperature, or anything if I have money. If I have money, I can control many things about me and around me because money will give me power and will make me God. And Paul picks this up as well. He says in Colossians 3.5, what is covetousness? It's idolatry. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetous, which is idolatry. And when you go down this route of desiring the world, the material goods, really the pursuit of power, what happens to your action towards your neighbor? You will no longer serve your neighbor, but you will demand that your neighbor serve you. This is what lies behind a covetous heart. You will not give because you feel like you deserve more. You will not serve because who are you to serve someone lower than you? You are the king. Do you now begin to understand why the rich young ruler cannot do what Jesus asked of him? It would be giving up too much control and placing your whole trust upon Jesus. There can only be one God And every time we depend on material things, we challenge God's throne and we become an enemy of God. What is the solution to this covetous heart of ours? Because I know everyone here suffers from the same heart that I possess. The sermon is not really about sell everything you have, then you will be healed. That's not the, that is not the command of Christ. The command of Christ is always to remember who God is. James offers the solution in this passage. He says this, he tells the people to remember the gospel. That is how you solve a covetous heart. You remember the gospel. He says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. He tells the people, remember who lives inside of you. If you have a covetous heart, remember that the Holy Spirit resides in you. And how did the spirit get there? It is because God sent his son, his only son, to die for you, to make you his. He loves you, and he will not simply let your heart go awry. He will fight for you. He will not 
fail. God did not send his son so that he would lose anybody. God sent his son so that you would be his forever. So though your heart may go towards the world, you need to remember that God, the creator of the universe, already loves you and your heart no longer needs to go there. That is the only way you will get over your covetous heart. It is not to deny yourself material things. It is not to do any of those things. The only thing that works is by remembering the love of God. And once you remember the love, once you remember what God has done for you, once you remember how rich you truly are, how abundant of life and things you have, it is then you will be able to say, I can definitely love my neighbor. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 says this, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So you see, the goal is not for us all to become poor. The goal is to find contentment in whatever situation you are in. You may be rich. You need to be happy then. It's hard to meet a satisfied, happy, rich person. It really is. And it's hard to find anyone who has true contentment. Brothers and sisters, most of us here have more than food and clothing. We need to praise God for all that he has given us. He has given us an arsenal to love one another. And we need to take joy in that. And not be just saying, what's in it for me? But how do you do that? How do you remember the gospel? Do you simply recall it? No, James actually gives us some instructions of what we ought to do. He first says you need to submit yourself to God. And how do you submit yourself to God? And he goes at it. He says, be wretched, mourn, and weep. We need to repent. That is the first thing we need to do as Christians. We need to mourn over our covetous heart. Because once we mourn over our covetous heart, we will come to the reality that God really loves us. Does it matter if I want a little bit of money? Yes. God wants all of you. God wants you all of you, and he wants you to know how much he loves you. So when we meet, when we weep, when we mourn over our sin, interestingly enough, we come to the love of God. If I had cheated on my wife, and I came back to her, and I just said, sorry, forgive me, what would my wife think? Do you even do you know how much you hurt me? Do you understand the love I had for you? Sorry? Brothers and sisters, I must admit, it is hard to mourn and weep over my sin. 
It is tough. But it is something that James and the Christian church has called us to do. For it is when we truly understand our heart, it is then we begin to truly understand the love of God and what he did for us. Remember, the goal is not to beat ourselves, but to come near to the love of God and be blessed by it. And I guarantee you, no, I promise that once you do this, you will feel great. And you will find the contentment that you are looking for. And you then will begin to give from your true abundance that you have in Christ. You will realize that you have all that you really need in Christ alone. And once you understand that grand love, you will be able to fulfill the Tenth Commandment and love your neighbor as yourself. I hope you see by now that these Ten Commandments are not ten separate commandments that have nothing to do with each other. These Ten Commandments are all intertwined. If you break one, in reality, you break all of them. It is because it comes down to two things. Love God, love your neighbor. And you can only do these things if you have Jesus Christ. The Ten Commandments is to show us that we cannot do any of these things on our own power. The Ten Commandments shows us that we have a lot of sin in our lives. And I hope during this series that those sins were brought to light. That was the point, so that you would see these sins. But I hope you also see that you can only begin to please God when you put your trust in Jesus and Him alone. My hope is that you would not be scared of the Ten Commandments. When David and I planned for this series, our goal was not to make you feel guilty and be distraught over the Ten Commandments. The whole point of the Ten Commandments is that you would pursue them with great confidence. Because knowing that you are now saved, knowing that Jesus Christ has come from you, you can pursue these things with great excellence and excitement because of who lives in you. As we end this series, may you find joy in knowing that you have been saved and that you are no longer condemned, but you can truly love like Christ has loved, because he resides in you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, for this tough word. We pray that you would bless us and help us. Holy Spirit, we cannot do any of these things. We can't even begin to dream of these things if you are not present in our lives. Lord, help us to see our sin. Help us to mourn our sin but also help us to receive the lavish grace that you are trying to give to us. May we accept it, and may we embrace it, and may we truly begin to love you and love our neighbor, and may the world begin to worship you. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.